Welcome back to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. So, which way do we go here? I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, sassy as always, your mechanic. Hop in the driver's seat, listener. Let's become adults. quote is by William Bridges. Change is situational. Transition, on the other hand, is psychological. It is not those events, but rather the inner reorientation or self-redefinition that you have to go through in order to incorporate any of those changes into your life. Without a transition, a change is just a rearrangement of the furniture. Unless transition happens, the change won't work, because it does not take. Last week, we covered the teen years, specifically parenting teens and some strategies to effectively navigate the inevitable conflicts that come with raising teens. This week, we're talking about what happens when a teen reaches the milestone of 18. Don, start us off. What's so significant and important about 18? 18 is really an arbitrary number. Society sets it as when someone shifts from being a child and they can't engage in contracts to being an adult, and they can engage in contracts. So it's a little artificial. It's often the time that kids will graduate from high school and need to make an important choice in their life about going on with their schooling to college or moving off into the workforce. It's a key milestone, though. It's a transition point for parents and children in thinking about the child and their roles vis-a-vis one another. The whole family shifts at the point that their child turns 18. Remember that in parenting, adulthood is the goal, not the diploma with high school, and not every kid graduates from high school. Hopefully, most kids do reach 18. And at that point, they have to make a decision. What do I do in this next phase of my life? So it's really more of a a fork in the road of the relationship, not necessarily just the child's the transition to adulthood or the parents releasing them. It's kind of the relationship between them is forking. Yes. So yes, it's a transition for both parents and for kids. They have to think about their kid as an adult, and that's actually harder than you think. And for children to think of themselves as adults and having to take on the responsibility of the choices they make is also a difficult one. The key thing here is helping one another make that transition. That comes from setting clear expectations, both from parents and from kids. Uh, And at this point, kids need to know they have a right to push back and say, here are my expectations for how I live in the world and what I do. Uh, And that becomes more of a negotiation. Goals need to be described on both sides and, and agreed to. It's important to describe what the clear outcome is. Achieving a goal can be one thing for one person and another for another. So, clarifying that. If I say clean the kitchen, I might mean, you know, wipe down the counters, put everything away, all the rest of this. But you might think, oh, I just wash the dishes and I get them in the drying rack. Both of those are correct, but since they're not agreed on, they'll create fights. So Mm -hmm. clarify what you mean by achieving a goal. 
And then talk about how to mitigate if things fall off the rails. So kid gets to school, gets super anxious, has to medically withdraw. How do we do that in a non-shaming way that helps the kid get back to school eventually or, or figure out what they're going to do next? Not every kid navigates these changes smoothly. And parents and kids can work with one another to get it done better. In all of these scenarios, going off to work, going to a trade school, going to college, whatever it is, the child needs to change how they view themselves. And the parent has to change how they view their new adult. If the, if the child transitioning to being an adult is setting their own expectations and learning about being able to set those expectations and their goals, why do the goals have to be agreed to? Isn't it now at this milestone, the 18-year-old could set a goal that the parents don't agree with, and that's within their rights? So you're absolutely right. My intent with that statement was because you wanted to maintain the relationship. Mm, so, I mean, that would damage the relationship. Right. right. And that may be a choice that you make. Yeah. So I have had brand new adults make the decision that they want to go into the military. They want to serve their country. And the adults saying, no, that's terrifying. You're, you're going to die. And I don't want you to do that. Honestly, it's the kid's choice if they want to go in the military and serve, even though that's dangerous. It's also dangerous to be a police officer or a firefighter. Or in this day and age, an, an emergency technician of any kind. <laughs> but that would be an example where a kid might make a decision that would disrupt the relationship. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, what are some tools that people can use as they navigate this decision and this change to the relationship between parent and child? A huge part of this is communication. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but that's because this is really the best way to keep things on track and keep the relationship healthy. We talk about creating goals and defining the goals, but that's communication between you and the new adult and vice versa of what is it that these people want to do and going into it non-judgmentally. Sure, you yourself went to college, but your child might not want to go to college and that's okay. You don't have to try and force your opinion on your new adult. So, collaborating with them on what their goals are and understanding them without trying to pressure them one direction or another. Holding that space for them to explore all of the different opportunities, getting them information as needed. Uh, so if they're looking at colleges, that's great. What colleges are they looking for uh, and how? what programs are important to them? If they've decided that that's not the way they want to go and they want to take a gap year, what do they want to do in that gap year? And setting expectations for that. If they do want to take a gap year, you know, letting them know, like, you can't just sit at home and do nothing. You know, a gap year is something that you're taking to really explore opportunities for yourself. Are you going to look for an internship, an apprenticeship? Are you going to do AmeriCorps? Uh, what are you looking for that's going to enrich yourself and help you with that transition into adulthood and into that kind of next launching phase? Papa, would you have let us take a gap year? I never even considered it. I mean, I moved straight towards college applications. If you had said, I'm not ready to go on with school, I need a break from school, I certainly would have discussed with you, well, what can we do with that time? Yeah. 
Um, it's interesting. So, it never even occurred to me. It never even occurred to me to to ask. I mean, I, I knew I I know people who took gap years now, but I feel like I only knew that. I don't know if I remember anybody in high school at the time who was planning to take a gap year. Kim, did you know anybody who took a gap year? I knew in high school. Yeah, I knew a couple of people, but they were also the kids who weren't engaged in school. Both you and I, Ben, were very academically focused. Like we went to school, we did our homework or you did your homework. I more or less did my homework. (laughs) Um, Being honest on that one. But we were both very driven by senior year. We both knew like, this is something that we want to do. You knew you wanted to do music. I knew I wanted to do marine science and then later knew I wanted to do psychology. Uh, But I had a, a directive. So both you and I were very focused on those types of goals. It's interesting, though. I mean, this is not really a gap year thing, but thinking about college and about schooling and about just where you are mentally at, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, I almost wish that it was the standard to leave high school and then go work a job for a year or two or four and then go to college. Because even though I went to college knowing this is a huge opportunity and I need to like make the best of this and do everything I can to take advantage of all the incredible opportunities I'm being exposed to. I couldn't do that at 18. I couldn't do that at 21 or 22. I'm not confident I could do that now at 30, but I think I'd be a whole lot better at it. So understandable. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I want to, I wish I had taken a gap year to be clear. I just think it's interesting that to me, it was just a clear progression. It was a, I, I'm not saying it was a smooth transition either, but like the next step, you know, it was in, I guess, probably starting like junior year, you're looking at colleges, you're, you're preparing for that, at least in our family. Like that's what we did. That's what I did. Well, and also and, in schools, I mean, they yeah. set you up for that starting in like eighth grade. I remember filling out like the, I think it was college track, trade school track, and one other one that I can't remember. I mean, they set you up for that and you're supposed to like check a box and you're filling out information about your interests and all of these things that you might want in the future. I I remember looking at those and being like, I don't know. Uh, I could do all of these things. I'm interested in all of this. Well, you know, and what's interesting is that those things that you filled out also informed camps that you all were able to go to, like the saxophone camp and that you went to and the Marine Quest camp that you went to, Kim. Yeah. And we were blessed that we had the wherewithal to be able to send you to things where you could explore some of those ideas. That's not available to every kid. Right. Right. For me, the job thing, I mean, I worked part time in retail all through college and I really value that experience. Was it fun? Absolutely not. But I value that I have that experience and that I had to do that work. And I just, even while I was doing that, though, I was supported in college. You know, we're talking about this transition, becoming 18 and being your own person. But like the reality is I had a bed and hot meals and I wasn't paying for that. You know, I, the reason I worked was for gas money so I could go around and do other things that I wanted to do. But fundamentally, Papa, you and Mama were still supporting me all the way through college and beyond, at least financially. I could make my own decisions and some of my finances were my own. So those decisions had cause and effect that I had to live with. But in terms of my basic needs, 
I wasn't responsible for those really until post-college. Well, so I wouldn't quite say that because you were on the Azevedo scholarship and you remember we had a discussion. Here are the expectations. You know, you've got to follow all the dorm rules when you lived in a dorm. So you promptly moved out of the dorm as soon as you could. Um, that, you know, you had to get certain grades, that we had to have visibility to your to what you were doing. When you wanted to change majors, that was a discussion that we had. It was yours to choose, but we wanted to be included in that process because essentially you became a paid employee of Azevedo family. When I changed majors, Papa just laughed at me for like two minutes. Well, that's true because you had spent 18 years telling me I will never be a psychologist or mental health person. I'll never be a teacher either. (laughs) Surprise. Yes. And I loved it. It was delightful. But nonetheless, you were on a scholarship. So essentially, you were employed by us. You had an employment agreement that was a trade. We would provide you the educational opportunity and the food and the housing and all the rest of that in exchange for you accomplishing these tasks, which both of you did within four years. So you met the criteria of that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think we were also super lucky in that our family could afford the schools we went to. And Ben, did you have a scholarship? I can't remember. I had a very small scholarship. Right. But that was a thing that I I would argue, Papa, that I failed at. There was an expectation for me to apply to scholarships, but because we were well enough off that we would make it work, I didn't try that hard at the scholarships. I remember applying to some, and, and I did. I got a couple, but it wasn't like this is a life or death I have to get scholarships to get into this school kind of thing. You know, I don't think I did a good enough job at that, but here we are. You you made the attempt and you did a good enough attempt that I was satisfied that you were participating in this. You also agreed to pay off the small student loan that we did incur. And you did do that. I did. That's true. So again, this is part of the participation. And Kim, you managed your income so that you could do a semester abroad and do a master's degree. And I took a gap year between my bachelor's degree and my master's degree because I did finish my bachelor's and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. You know, I looked into doing inpatient facility work and couldn't get jobs there and, you know, struggled a lot with figuring out who I was. And one of the great things was mama and papa were there and I questioned everything. Uh, There were a lot of tears that year. Um, (laughs) There are a lot of tears every year from me, but that's okay. Sure, this is a different transition point than the 18-year-old transition that we're talking about here, but it paralleled a lot of things where we were having that conversation and you know, you celebrated achievements with me. You celebrated the first job that I got out of college uh, by making me buy y'all dinner. It was great. Um, (laughs) And there were a lot of things that y'all supported in those years. And for me, at least, it wasn't so much the 18 transition, but it was the, the college transition in general. I struggled a lot with having left for college and the situation I ended up getting into as far as my roommate and the person I was dating at the time and my mental health struggled, but you were there understanding, you know, the frustration and the pain I was going through and the fact that it took me a hot minute to be okay with college. That first year I was home 
all the time. Oh, yeah. Just trying to escape what was happening for me. But you were okay with that. And we had those conversations a lot of, you know, what is challenging me and what can we create as a solution? And, you know, what are the consequences you're having of the mess that you're putting yourself in? Because I really did put myself in several messes. I will take (laughs) full responsibility for those. Uh, But you talked you talked through them with me. And that's really that key thing that parents can do when their uh, new adult is coming to them saying, how do I do this? You know, and the phrase now is, how do I adult? (laughs) And, you know, that is a true question nowadays of what am I doing? And is the thing that I am engaging in the the best or most logical thing to be doing. And, you know, a lot of young adults and new adults run into that. Is what I'm doing congruent with the morals that I want to live with? And I know that adjustment of what morals do I want to own as a new adult and a young adult. Ben and I grew up in a Lutheran church, and I know growing up, my morals have changed, not so much my morals, but my values, I suppose, have changed more because I don't go to church anymore. And that's not really something I feel particularly close to. But again, you as a parent have been supportive of the change and growth that I have gone through. And that's really the main tools of a parent, sticking it out. Your child is no longer a child. They're a new adult and launching into young adult and adulthood eventually. And it's scary to see all of these changes and witness them and have to support them and try to help them think through what they're doing and why they're doing it, but ultimately being okay with they're going to do what they want to do. And it doesn't have, have to be okay just accepting, you know, because quite, quite honestly, I would love to have you all back in the church. I just would. It's a wonderful community and it's a great support. And it happens by choice. It doesn't happen by fiat. You also both want us in your weird workout cult too, so... Hey, F3 and FIA are not a cult. Are you sure? Kim, I don't I don't know if you should call out F3 because that's probably like 90% of our listener base. I feel like <laughs> they would get a good laugh out of that, though. They'll come get you. I mean... FIA will come get you. They can do their best, but right now I'm literally icing my entire right arm, so... <laughs> Didn't you already get a name from FIA? Aren't you like Car Stop or something? Yes, I am indeed Car Stop while my mother is Van Gogh. Kim, you already talked a little bit about the gap year you took between undergrad and master's. And I also, after my undergrad, came back home for about a year before really launching off on my own. Don, can you talk to us a little bit about some ways to manage the parent-child relationship during things like a gap year or now during the pandemic? A lot of college students are home with their families, and that's been a difficult transition as well. Sure. Or or even the natural ones before the pandemic of, you know, coming home for Christmas break or spring break. Who goes home for spring break? It was totally me. I went home for spring break. (laughs) (laughs) And fall break and (laughs) almost every weekend, just that first year. It's kind of typical, but here's the thing. This is, again, the transition in mindset that the person coming back into my house is not my child who is under my rule, so to speak. They are an adult who is 
a loved and cared for guest in my home. So we have to agree on how we're going to live together in this space, much like figuring out how to deal with a roommate. And it's kind of like having a roommate. So everyone, all of us, wanted a pleasant place to live. We wanted to feel free to come and go as we liked. We wanted to feel free to eat what we wanted, to make a mess and clean it up, all the rest of that stuff. Everyone wants a pleasant place to live. Everyone needs to care for that space. Hopefully, parents have already developed a chore schedule that kids participated in all the way growing up. In the post-18 era, they also need this. And that adult child needs personal space different than they had before. This is truly their space to do what they need to do in. They need to understand how they impact common spaces and what their responsibilities are there. Quiet times. There's not so much a curfew because you're an adult and you get to choose when you come and go, but I had to go to work and I had to be up early. So I didn't appreciate it if you came in making a ruckus at two o'clock in the morning when I'm getting up two and a half hours later. So there were quiet times. And if you remember the dorms, <laughs> dorms had this too, you know, from usually 10 and 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. The idea was noise needs to go down so people who wanted to sleep could sleep. Yeah, it's not like quiet times are a foreign concept to a college student. Right. So it's the same agreement at home. And then parents have to abide by those as well. No screaming from the bedroom or any of that kind of stuff. Yikes. <laughs> There's also different behavioral expectations from the work week to the weekend, how much partying, issues around alcohol and drugs. Alcohol is still not legal for 18-year-olds. Uh, you got to be 21 to be drinking. Tobacco, too. And tobacco, too. Yeah, absolutely right. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it goes to show you how much I smoke, I guess. <laughs> That's right. So the, the idea, though, is the transition in mindset from this is not my child who I direct. This is now an adult that I respect and that we have to negotiate. Yeah, I have to compromise with. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a real big mindset shift. Papa, in your experience, was that a difficult shift to make for you as a parent? Well, I had been thinking about this philosophically and psychologically since before you were born. So I was already, I raised you all to think for yourselves and synthesize information. And you all have criticized me because no other adult did that for you. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, and that's just my peculiarity. <laughs> so in a way, I was prepping you to be an adult when you were four years old, because I saw my entire goal as a parent was helping you adult in the world as a verb. <laughs> it was a little bit more difficult for mama because she wanted to keep you safe. And what I tried to explain over and over again is no other human being can keep another human being safe. That is your personal job. And if you don't take it seriously, you're not safe. So the choices you make is what creates safety for you, not the choices I make. I can put you in jail and you'll be safe <laughs> in the sense that I control every movement that you make and they'll only be the ones that I think are the ones you should do. That's not being a human. That's not being an adult. So I want to teach, my whole goal is to help you make the choices that would best serve you. Do you have any advice for parents who are struggling more with that transition, with that mindset shift? Keep practicing. Yeah, number one, it's a keep practice. That's very true. Um, number two, trust this brilliant, capable, goofy human that you helped create 
in more ways than just passing on genetic material if, if they're biologically yours. Mostly the way that you help create is by being an example, having lived in the world. So trust that. Let them make mistakes. It's theirs to make. Kim, what about our younger listeners who might be in high school and about to make this transition to 18, to college, to adulting? Do you have any advice for them? Well, hello, younger listeners. It's exciting if you are listening. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the show. Right. Uh, and thank you for listening, because I know a lot of what we talk about kind of talks more to parenting styles. And we currently talk less about the child and young adult experience. When you're making this transition as you launch into being 18 and all of the different components that come with it, understanding the concept of personal responsibility, you really are taking the wheel. You're now really driving this car on your own. Your parents might be in the passenger seat and kind of like helping guide you. But you're the one hitting the gas pedal or the brake, not so much the clutch and, you know, gear change anymore. But you're you're really starting to push to new ground and it's scary. And remembering that the parents you grew up with, like you can lean back on them or at least I hope you can lean back on them. Some of you might come from parents where that maybe wasn't the case, um, in which case start looking for adults that are modeling things that you want. Uh, if you're not wanting to go to college, look for people who launched into a career force or try and see if you can find an apprenticeship. Explore the world. Uh, there's a lot of things out there. And the beautiful thing about the internet is you can find a lot of things. I encourage you to look at things that aren't the given path. Both Ben and I mentioned like college was just kind of what happened. Both of us were very academically focused and that kind of just seemed like the next step. But if you're looking at college and you're saying, I have no clue what I want to do, then go explore stuff. Join um, AmeriCorps or uh, join Peace Corps or figure out ways um, that you can explore the world before you're trying to spend money on a degree. And don't be afraid of things like community college or tech school. We live in a culture that is so focused on having to go get a degree. But the reality is you need to know what you want if that's where you're going. Otherwise, it is a waste of money. If you don't know that this is something that you want and this is what's going to get you that career, why would you go spend money and do that? So instead, look for information on how to get to what you want to do. Obviously, with psychology and being a therapist, uh, I had to go to school. That was the track to take because you can't do it without those fancy degrees. Yeah, they don't let me they don't let me tell people what to do with their lives, which is for the best, Ben. But if you're looking at wanting to do mechanic work, start out finding a mechanic apprenticeship. Mechanic apprenticeship or there are uh, tech schools for being a welder, being an um, uh, auto mechanic. There are lots and lots and lots of really great jobs out there that are not necessarily college based. Can I can I throw something out there? Sure. Yeah. There's lots of, we're talking a lot about like trades and stuff too, but 
the reality is there's a lot of people that'll hire someone for any job that isn't necessarily college educated. If they have a good mindset and they're good at learning, they're a quick learner and they're willing to work hard. And a thing that Papa has told us throughout our whole lives is you don't know until you ask. And if you put out some feelers and you ask some people, you meet some people, you reach out, stuff starts happening. I've been telling myself, trust the process. And the tricky thing about that is you do have to have a goal and then you have to break that goal down into some steps. And that requires a certain level of understanding and knowledge and a mentality that I don't think comes immediately to everyone. But if you have a goal and you're able to figure out what the steps are to get to that goal, start doing those steps and then trust the process because it really will start to come together. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes a lot of work, but it does happen. And you don't have to go alone. If you develop a goal, once you have the goal clearly stated, look for someone who's already achieved that goal and see if you can talk to them and say, what was the path to get there? And a super cool thing that I'm offering at Azevedo Family Psychology is that goal development and goal achievement process. Uh, So I've developed a whole program that's designed for taking a personal goal and breaking it down into those pieces and understanding what's achievable and how to do it as well as the follow-up. So someone who's hounding you about, hey, did you do the thing? Which, Ben, I offered for you and we still do uh, as you launch into trying to do freelance work. Hounding you and saying, hey, have you done the thing that you wanted to do? That's a program that I've set up to do with my therapeutic knowledge and psychoeducation. And that extends to that concept of 18-year-olds who are looking at what do I want to do with my life and how do I find that passion? I mean, like I said, I started out in marine science and I was stoked to do that until I hit chemistry class and I was slightly less stoked to do that. And then I found psychology and now here we are. And being okay with that change, right? A lot of new adults head into college or whatever they're looking at with, if I go and do this, this is what I have to do. But sometimes you get in there and then you're like, oh, well, you took this elective and you're like, oh, hey, I actually really like this type of stuff. Take more classes and start exploring things. I mean, I have a minor in criminal justice, not that I ever really use it, but I was interested in it. So I pursued more education in it. It's actually what led me to Ireland, which was kind of cool. Being flexible with yourself and understanding that you might set off on one path and find another along the way that's more interesting and you're more passionate about it. And it's okay to follow that. All right. So this actually concludes our sort of short run here on birth to adult development. This week, we talked about reaching the milestone of 18 and really launching out of the family home and becoming a full adult and some tools for making that transition, both for the parent and for the child who is now an adult and also kind of for that relationship as a whole. We hope you found this episode helpful. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we're always available at questions at afpsych.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. And until next week, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. 
So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.